I need to apologize to you for the little squabble that we got into over your inability to recognize that Matthew Stafford kicked and Dominican Sue. He kicks at it. Mike, watch Mike, it. That's, I, Mike, he, I've watched it a hundred times. It's not a kick. Okay. Well, you need to watch a, it 101 times well, then. Here you, I'm sorry if I was an ass. I was thinking ahead by about a week and a half and realizing that you have seen me. We haven't, we haven't <laughs> been together since your little vomit into the trash can routine in Holy Indianapolis cow, right, in February right. of 2020. Yeah. And I remembered how large you are and you don't get the guy. Then I'm on the air. Get out of here, dumbass. He is going to pummel me. Oh, damn, that hurt. Keep your meat hooks off of me. My God. And I thought it's probably time to back it off a little bit <laughs> because he's going to put one of those giant meat hooks on top of my head and just squeeze <laughs> and it's not going to feel good he's tried to do it but i fended him off there it is here he comes oh moments earlier here it comes there it is oh and just I, so you know I people don't realize ready he literally said, no, no, get away from me. Get away from me. Seriously, dude, I might punch you. I might punch you. Woo, baby. He's back. Gonna He's hot. You. Oh, well. I was going to kick you. You know, full transparency to the, all the crowd out there. I mean, Mike, for one. Hey, he's he's very cautious with COVID, which there's nothing wrong with that. He did not understand what he was walking into at the <laughs> NFL experience. He didn't realize he was going to be in a mosh pit of people. So he had a little bit of a freak out session at first. Slightly. It's okay, though. It's understandable. Slightly. I get I've it. accepted the fact that the worst case scenario is I catch it and die. Right. I mean, once you accept the worst case That's scenario, right. then everything else that happens sugar is on positive. top. That's right. 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 So I, I, I will catch it and I will die. And anything other than that is an improvement. Yeah, so. exactly. And you're not gonna. You're boosted. You're vaccinated. You're yeah, good. but it's been a while. It's about time for a reboost. Yeah. The boost. Yeah, no. I, I don't know. know how many boosts you need. I just got boosted for the first time, and I was knocked out, as you know. That's why I missed our Tuesday show. Yeah, I know. Was, Thanks uh, for that. I didn't mean to. Oh, I know. I really. I got up, got dressed, took a shower, and was like, oh man. And then I was making my breakfast, and I was like, whoa. I was like, I don't know if I can do this today. And, and really. I've only called the producer twice. One was the time we just showed in the opening when I was throwing up on the way to the show. So I think he realized, like, oh, he must not, you know, doing in good shape. I couldn't even suck it up to do it. My, my fault, man. So I, I, I uh, when I got my booster in October, 11 hours after I got the shot. Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, I feel good. I feel good. I right. feel good. 11 hours. Boom. And it hit me. And I didn't realize until the next day. Somebody said you should take some ibuprofen. And once I did. I felt better, but it yeah. was a long, long, like 12, 15 hours of, of suffering like it. crap. Right. So right. crap, crap, uh, and, crap. This is not crap. Super Bowl. No, this is not crap. And this is pretty amazing. I, I mean, I, our backdrop is Programming amazing. note, and just so everybody understands, the show is debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Monday, but obviously it's 4 a.m. Pacific time. This is not live. This right. is PFT not live, at least for now. Here's how it's going to go this week. We will be live 5 to 7 Eastern every day. They'll play it the next morning. The good news for our friends who watch the show on Sky Sports, and I don't think they'll actually even hear this show, so who cares? But right. we are live in London. Oh, it makes sense. 10 o'clock local time. Right. So when we say piss, ass, crap, all the words they shouldn't bleep us for. Right. 
and Dubalipas for. I think we'll be able to slip him through oh, the man. goalie. Hello, the Sky. You got a long week with me, Sky. You better, <laughs> you better have somebody uh, playing goalie this week who's really good. Might, might squeeze some four-letter words in there. We, uh, well, the four-letter words, they don't bleep. They bleep the oh the other weird the ones, ones right. that they shouldn't bleep. Right, right. Uh, anyway, we'll be here all week long. We've got a long guest list. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Awesome. I didn't expect there to be that many people this year. I didn't know what to expect right. this year, but we're going to have a, uh, a, so, a, a long and uh, a busy week. Of when guests. we usually have guests, I, I move to the middle. The guy sits here. What are you going to do? Sit over there by I the, think I will. the throwing station? I think I will. Are you going to go throw balls through the tire I, or something? I, I mean, <laughs> I, this isn't quite six feet now, and I'm a little bit nervous, but I've decided to I, just I'm get disappointed. It. I want to be closer. I can't even hit no, you from no. here. That's and good. Is, that's that's, that's an good. incidental benefit. Damn. Yeah, we need a bigger, we're going to need a bigger boat, I think, when we start having guests. I, I will say, out of all the Super Bowls, at least the ones since I've been working, working with you i think this is the coolest nfl experience i've seen well this is the first time we've been smack dab in the middle of it all years yeah <laughs> but i mean i've always witnessed it and seen it this right. is we're in the middle but it's a really good setup the super bowl trophy is behind us people have been in line to take pictures with that that has been a big thing on the local news here is really cool i like the setup that's all i'm saying so far and i'm excited about our matchup rams is this the actual one that they're going to give out next sunday oh, or that's it's just a good one question. of them i, I think it's, it's just one of them right they're right. They're, they're, they're everywhere yeah. but yeah we are a week away, or if you're watching this on Monday morning, six days away from Rams and Bengals in Super Bowl 56. I heard somebody earlier trying to get you to give your pick, yeah. and you knew I was close enough to hear, yes. so you punted. I did. You told him you're going to have to tune in and watch, because yeah. I was listening. <laughs> oh, I was listening. <laughs> Bengals plus four? SOB over there. plus four? It's got to be around that. I, last I saw, I thought it was four and a half, but... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a regular looker, looker there. But the city is excited for the game. That's the one thing I was a little interested in. Like, is L.A., you know, but there's so many things going on. There's a NASCAR event going on down there the street. But I, I've, since I've been here last week, I, I really can say there's genuine excitement everywhere I've gone, the fact that the Super Bowl is back here in L.A. But wait until the Bengals fans arrive, because I have a feeling right. there will be a lot of them later in the week. Sure. I think they're going to take the place over. I think the stadium, I have a feeling on Sunday. You think it's going to be I more have a Bengals? going to be a lot of Bengals fans. Yeah, and, and I'm hearing secondary markets almost already as high as they've ever seen. I do think there's going to be an incredible amount of people who just want to witness the L.A. Super Bowl. Like, I've had a lot of friends reach out to me, like, can you give me tickets? Can we give me tickets? And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for giving me, like, eight days well, warning. But they all off. think it's funny. They think it's free. They think, well, they think that if you're in the sports media, yeah. you have – like remember, like like the, the the old thing they do with the guy who'd open his coat and you'd have all the watches. Yeah, yeah, they right. They think that you just open your coat, right. and you got tickets to every yeah, sporting yeah. event anywhere in the country at any time <laughs> right. with no notice. Right. Hey, I'm in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I know. Can you I give know. me tickets tonight to the I Sixers know. game? Yes. It's like sure, yeah, sure. They'll be at will call. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, good luck with that. So, uh, so anyway, don't ask us for tickets because you ain't getting any. That's what Sean McVay said last week. Don't bother to ask for tickets. I, I mean, I, I've already had people ask me, and I've already hit my quota. I mean, my family's coming to town, but I always I have a few friends every year. What's your quota? Like, well, how just, many is your quota? Well, I just I mean, as far as like, I'm not gonna. How many did you score from NBC? Just three. Oh you know, wow! For my wife and and kids, right? Yeah, I hope I'm not bad. getting myself in trouble, right? I'll, I'll do it right there. I had I had two for my wife and my son, but they decided not to come. And if they were here right now, they'd be glad they didn't come. Oh damn! All right. Well, I wish they were here to see them. But regardless, well, again, we've been it. we have been in our bubble. Yeah, for I know. Two years, right? And we exited for one week to go to the beach. Right. 
this is quite the jump into the deep end of the pool. It is. So, I hear you. Serenity now, insanity later. And uh, <laughs> as I said, once you accept the fact that uh, you catch it and you die, you know, like I said, anything anything uh, other than that is is a good day. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good week. We're going to make the most of it here. Um, I was going to tell you something. Oh, oh, I was concerned that we were taping while the Pro Bowl is going on. How sure. dare we? How dare we're we infringing. ignore the Pro Bowl? We need to know the result. I, I'm being sarcastic. I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's exactly what it should be. Yeah. It should be glorified two-hand touch. That's what it is. If they're going to play the game, this is the way they should play it. Protect the players. Let them get into their offseason without any additional bumps and bruises. And it seems like a good time in Las Vegas. People seem to enjoy it. The players are there. It's a nice victory lap for them. People get to see real live NFL players in their uniforms, kind of. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, so win-win. I yeah, guess. it is. Listen, it's still, it's still an event. It's still NFL football. People still tune in to watch it like we know. Yes, there's been plays because it's playing on the big screen here where I go, wait, have they blown the whistle or are they really playing football there? You don't even really know. They're trying to fix it. I think they're going in the right direction. I'd like to tell me if you think I'm crazy with this thought with the Pro Bowl. I'd like to see them infuse some of the things they do during the weeks, right? Like during the challenges. Like, during this game, they're not physically exerting themselves to that degree. Like, I want to see, tune in and watch Tyree Kill race Michael Parsons right now. During the game. In, like, the third quarter. He hasn't run that hard in this game. I've watched them. So, like, do that then. I want to see Mahomes do a long-distance throw halfway through the third quarter. Him and Herbert get on the own 30-yard line. they got to throw it as far as they can. That's the kind of stuff I think would be a lot of fun to go along with the two-hand touch football game. The, the reality is they're going to keep playing it yeah. as long as it keeps making money because right. people tune in and yeah. they watch it and they ask themselves, why are we doing it? But they're doing it because it's football. It's making it's money. on TV yeah. and there's nothing else going on right now. Right. All right, what's going on in the National Football League? Let's get to that. Uh-oh. It, it was, and we haven't had a chance to talk since yeah. all hell broke loose on Tuesday because we last did the show together on Monday. Tuesday, the Brian Flores lawsuit, the landmark racial discrimination lawsuit, class action attacking the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos, the NFL generally for a lengthy history of racial bias, allegedly, when it comes to coaches and general managers. Troy Vincent, the NFL's executive VP of football operations, quoted in the lawsuit, and he said this before elsewhere, there is a double standard, the system is broken, so... It's not like it's going to take a lot of effort to find evidence that's going to support the idea that, yeah, there's a problem. The numbers obviously make it clear that it's a problem. And what troubled me more than anything else throughout the course of the week as it relates to this, because there's other stuff that troubled me more on some of the NFL's other controversies, because between the racial discrimination claim, the allegation of the $100,000 offer per loss by Stephen Ross, allegedly, yeah, and the ongoing Washington football team investigation. It's, it's one of the roughest weeks the NFL's ever had. Right. But the thing that disappointed me the most as it relates to the Flores case was their knee-jerk reaction to issue a statement saying that his claims are without merit. That was embarrassing for I don't the NFL. Get that, right. that was embarrassing. Right. And what happened was, I was talking to somebody about it. Well, and they didn't know this for sure, but it's like, well, Jeff Pash, the NFL's general counsel, told PR to say this, and right. nobody bothered to say, how can? Uh, we, why are we saying it's without merit when yeah. it just showed up? Sounds insensitive. How do we? How do we even know if it has any sensitive merit? Sensitive subject. Right. right. And then as the week goes on, you start hearing things from the NFL otherwise that would indicate, well, maybe there is some there merit. There is a merit. Like they're going to investigate the claim that money was offered to Brian right. Flores to lose games in 2019 right. and a memo that was sent by the commissioner on Saturday and this was reported by NFL media 
what Roger Goodell said, among other things, we've made significant efforts to promote diversity and adopted numerous policies and programs which have produced positive change in many areas. However, we must acknowledge that Particularly with respect to head coaches, the results have been unacceptable. We will reevaluate and examine all policies, guidelines, and initiatives relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion, including as they relate to gender. We understand the concerns expressed by Coach Flores and others this week. While the legal process moves forward, we will not wait to reassess and modify our strategies to ensure that they are consistent with our values and longstanding commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Good luck. Good luck reconciling that with Coach Flores' claims are without merit. And and the fact that Roger Goodell would even put that in writing, Chris, and this kind of gets in the weeds a little bit as it relates to the legal process, but this is going to be used against him in the litigation. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a criminal case and a civil case. His words will be used against him. Troy Vincent's words will be used against them. And they realize it's so obvious it doesn't matter. It really is obvious. They're going to fight him in court. They're going to make Brian Flores prove his case. They're going to say that that the class action shouldn't be certified. There's all sorts of legal arguments. They're initially going to say the case needs to go to arbitration, which will push a lot of this out of the public eye. But they know there's a problem. Everybody knows there's there's a problem. So at least they have some semblance of self-awareness to acknowledge there's a problem and they need to fix it. Yeah, I mean, listen, there is a problem. The problem, I mean, obviously, we have too many qualified African-American head coaches who don't get the, the right respect or chances that maybe some of the other, you know, white coaches in the NFL get. There's the issue there. But to me, what the deeper issue is, is just how to fix it. That's where I don't really know where to go from here. Because, Mike, I don't know, and again, you know, you, you, you certainly can push back on me on this comment. I don't, I don't look at the NFL. I don't look at the owners, or a lot of cases, people high up in management, and I don't look at any of these people and go, oh, they are a little racist, or there are some racist tendencies. What I do look at more, more or less is maybe some bias and the fact that the NFL is just so deep-rooted in its whiteness in so many ways. You know, as we've discussed with, you know, uh, all the coaching, you know, the coaching, their family members, all the people that are involved in these organizations, these owners who have been around the NFL, Yes, they, they have always been surrounded by white people. They're comfortable with that. So that's, to me, where things got to change a little bit. And I don't know how you go about changing that. Because, again, these guys are going to offer who they want to offer, who they think is qualified. But at the same time, you know, I think because of, hey, there's a grandfather, and I knew his father, and I knew his uncle, and I'm comfortable with that because I have more information about the player there's more of that to back up the white coaches than the black coaches in the NFL. And to me, that's one of the biggest issues, let alone, yeah, I don't think some of these African-American coaches are getting the respect they deserve. You made a lot of good points yeah. there, but let's try to yeah, separate some of the little. issues. Sure. Yeah, because right. it's, it's not like these owners are acting like Archie Bunker. In exactly. That's but, right. But, but, but at the same time, yeah, at the same time, if I got you try you. to say that, try to say that to a black candidate. Right. And then, and then say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about everything John Gruden sent in those emails? Yes. That's the problem. Yes. Because every time you see something like that, right. then you justifiably, if you are one of these black coaches, say, I know how they treat me to my face. What do they say about me when they don't think anyone's listening? Sure. What do they write about me when they don't think anyone's reading? How right. do they really feel about me? And again, we keep coming back to the fact that the proof is in the pudding. The numbers are undeniable. And bias is a stone's throw from 
the open Archie Bunker attitude. Sure. The bias is still there. The belief that, well, we ultimately don't trust a black man to be the leader of this team. Right. We're more comfortable. And it's it's subtle. It's subconscious. But it's baked in. It and the fact that, the fact that there I, are no yeah. black owners right. bakes it in. Sure. And and, and that, that's the problem. And I think part of it, too, and this is something that we talked about a few times last week. The oligarch system doesn't work. And I know it's never going to change. But the idea that you get a really rich and powerful person who can do whatever they want, and if they hit a roadblock... If they step in a pothole, if they blow a tire, they just write a check. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. And if someone else tries to tell them to do something they don't want to do, I think sometimes they will just do the opposite just as a reminder that you don't tell me how to run my business. I earned the money that allowed me to buy this team. Right. I own this team. I'm surrounded by people who tell me what I want to hear when I want to hear it. And the oligarch system doesn't work. And that's why I think... The NFL should consider allowing teams to become corporate bodies because if you had a corporation, not like the Green Bay Packers, although the Packers operate like a normal corporation, you just can't you can't publicly trade their yeah, stock and right. have any appreciation or anything like that. It's right. a ruse. But there isn't one person who's in charge who can say, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and you can't tell me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And if you had a corporate structure with a board of directors that was made up of a diverse cross-section of the community, and you had layers and levels of governance and committees, you could, and not that corporations are without fault when it comes to these kinds of issues, because they get sued all the time for employment practices that aren't ideal, but at least when it happens, you can hold people accountable, you can investigate. There isn't that one person who is ultimately in charge who is untouchable right, and can right. only be forced out right. by the rest of the oligarchs. Yeah. And we see what they're doing with Daniel Snyder. They don't want to start forcing people out because they don't want to get forced out. Of course. If right. they have a loose agreement among themselves that we're not going to force anyone out, then we never have to worry right. about getting forced out. They don't want to set precedents like you've talked but, about but before. But that, that's the yeah. problem. And right. I think the league office is beside themselves to a certain extent because yeah. they know they can't get these folks to do anything other than what they want to do. So what they have to do is convince them that it's what they should want to do. And and I don't know that a verdict in Brian Flores' lawsuit is going to matter. I don't know how big that verdict is. It gets divided by 32. Sure. And it becomes a lot smaller than it otherwise would have been. No, it's just bad PR. The money's not going to concern them. And, you know, with even with Brian Flores and that conversation right there, you know, it's a incredible risk that he's taking. There's no doubt about it. It's a brave, brave stance he's taking. At the same time, you know, people go, well, isn't it a career suicide? I go, you know what? I think he's a good enough coach, and there's so much light shined on this subject. I do think that somebody's going to give him a shot to be a head coach again. I do. You know, it might happen this I year so. in Texas. I hope so. I hope so. He's certainly deserving of it. But, Mike, I think the point you make is where I keep going back to it. You kind of you hit on it. Yeah, it's 32 owners. Almost all of them are white. As you filter up through organizations and get, a, all right, the players, it's over 70% African-American. But now you get into coaches and the front office and then to ownership groups. It gets more and more white as we go. And that, to me, is really the issue. And I like, I like your idea about the corporate structure because I think it will bring, you know, break up some of this. Again, I'm not trying to be racist or judge here. Just the deep-rooted whiteness that's within the NFL. That's just, the, the, listen, that's the way it is. I don't know any other way to say it. You know, we'd see it this year. Who did the Bears hire to help them get the head coaching job? Oh, Bill Polian, who's an old ma white man who's been around for a long time. I'm not judging him or that, but I'm just telling you that's an example, again, of 
of where it goes wrong. So it's it's white owner. Oh, wait, here's old white man that I trust for a long time and have known him and Bill Polian. Oh, old white man. And again, I'm not judging Bill Polian. I'm just giving examples here. He's going to go to his people that he trusts, right? And, hey, he's shown diversity with hiring Dungy and, right. and being a Jim part Caldwell of that. As well. But still, even with a guy like that, he's still a lot of his tentacles that are reach out are white. And that's where there's an issue there. And that's going to be the problem the NFL has to kind of figure out where they go with this. And I think part of it, too, is because there's 32 teams, you can say to one owner, look, there's an issue and someone needs to show progress here. And the owner will say, OK, I get it. I understand. Um, but this is the guy I want to hire. Somebody else, somebody else can be the one who shows progress because this is the coach I really want to hire. Yeah, and and individually they'll say there's no racist motivation here. There's no. But but the problem is, and the example I used all last week, if you flip a coin 500 times and it comes up heads 490 times, there's something wrong with the coin. Yeah, yeah. And these numbers are undeniable. There's something right. wrong. And the problem is the league office can only do so much to encourage teams to do the right thing and everything they've done is evidence of the problem Rooney rule evidence of the problem the incentive that they're giving teams whose assistant coaches and front office employees who get hired to bigger jobs they get draft pick compensation right it underscores the fact that there's a problem this problem has been hiding in plain sight kudos to Brian Flores for being the one to be willing to potentially trade his career yeah for it. I don't know what's going to happen with his career, right. but he came to the table, and he put his chips in the middle of the table, and he may never coach again in the NFL. He had enough. And he may never coach again in the too. NFL. The Giants, so there's the conversations they had with Bill Belichick. He knew all, of, of, all about it. You know, again, that's just, that is the problem there that, that is really just, fr- I mean, you're right. The NFL admits there's a problem. They know it. That's where, I, to me, like the original comment to go, like, that's totally off base. I was like, whoa, that's insensitive by the NFL. The one you are. No, without merit. Without yes, merit. Without merit. Like that, that, I was like, what? Without merit? You've been telling me this is a merit situation for the last four years, and now it's without merit? So that made no sense. But then there's certain optics, too, that don't look right, Mike. And again, I'm not judging here, I'm just showing examples. But I do have a hard time thinking, wait. If Eric Bieniemy was white and had led one of the top five offenses in football four years in a row, would he not be hired by now? Byron Leftwich, what he's doing. And then I sit there and I go, and again, not to say this person isn't deserving, but I go, and then here's Kevin O'Connell about to be the head coach of your Minnesota Vikings. Not even really a full-time offensive coordinator because we know McVay's going to do that. He's going to be a head coach before Bieniemy who has been coaching the best offense in football for the last few years, or Byron Leftwich, who's been as good as anybody in the game the last two years on that side of the ball, that those optics don't look right. right. And I think anybody with a, like a realistic mind can agree with that. That does not look right. The problem with Leftwich, it sure seems like he made a power play it does seem to like get it. rid of Trent Balky and bring right. in Andrew, Adrian, Adrian Wilson, Wilson. Right, right. And, and it just didn't work. Right. It didn't work. Shad Khan ultimately decided to stick with Balky, bring in Doug Peterson as the head coach, there's been a lot of talk that Rick Spielman's going to be hired in some sort of executive VP role, and and on shot Khan goes without yeah. Byron Leftwich. And right. as to Eric Bandy, he's getting a shot with the Saints. 
I think it's going to be hard for him to get the Saints job because I believe there's a strong amount of momentum pointing toward Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Ricky Loomis, the GM, is getting toward the end of his career. He doesn't want a whole new coaching staff yeah. there. Aaron Glenn, if, I've heard, is a real, real serious candidate there as well. If you keep Dennis Allen, though, yeah. you, you keep everything else you keep in place. everything else, right? And, and there's something to be there. said for that. Right. But, right. but will they? Will they, yeah. the Saints, decide we're going to go in a different direction? Right. We're going to do something different. And, and we're going to be a beacon of, of the kind of progress that has been elusive for the NFL. And we talked about the Texans earlier. Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, reportedly has been told he's no longer in the running. Now, that's unconfirmed. And who knows by the time this airs on Monday morning what else will be out there. But as of right now, 5.19 p.m. Eastern time, 2.19 p.m. Pacific on Sunday as we tape this, it's reportedly down to Brian Flores and Josh McCown. There is no way in hell that the Texans can hire Josh McCown. <laughs> if they do, I mean, he, Flores literally put, should put that on his lawsuit as well, right above the Bill Belichick thing and go, wait, a guy who hasn't coached at any level of anything, maybe his kids, you know, seven-on-seven seven flag team, High school. right, whatever. He's going to be a head coach before me, the guy who's led the Dolphins to two winning seasons in a row for the first time in 20 years. Won eight out of nine games to finish like, the season. I, the, that, that, to me, would just be the ultimate. And, the, Mike, I don't know. Am I crazy? Again, maybe I hang out with you too much. And I, 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 even within this, I know Flores knows Nick Casaria out there with the, the Houston Texans. They were all in New England together. But it's like, is Flores – I'm going to – you know, conspiracy Chris is going to go, is he in the final two only because the NFL is saying to make sure he's in the final two right now with this subject? Or, or may, hey, hey, listen, there right. may be some high-level backroom negotiations going on along the lines of things we've heard in the past where right. the NFL approach, you know, maybe Houston gets in the Super Bowl rotation. Yeah, right. You know, maybe, I mean, who knows what the right. NFL will offer to get the Texans to do this. But at the end of the day, Cal McNair is going to do what he wants to do. Yeah. And Jack Easterby has a hell of a hold on McNair. And, and look, we've talked plenty about Jack Easterby. I have my opinions about him. I have a feeling Brian Flores is not is, that kind of is guy. Is more inclined to agree with my assessment of Jack Easterby and not fall for that crap. I would if, agree. If it is crap, if it is agree. an act, if yeah. it is a routine. Right. You know, I, I think Flores is not going to is not going to take that bait. And, uh, and and that may make East to be more inclined to, to hire the guy that he wants to hire. That, His that's, good friend, Josh McCown. This is nothing you. against Josh McCown. Not at all. But, but at I some hope he point, kicks butt. But, but at some weird. point, isn't it, if you're Josh McCown, don't you have to say, this probably isn't a good idea for me to take this job. This I'm probably sure. isn't a good idea. But he's also going, what? You're going to give me $6 million a year to do it? It, <laughs> yeah. it is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I can, there's be plenty of jobs that I'm not qualified to do. Right. If somebody would offer me to do it, I'd convince myself overnight that I'm qualified to at least try. Yeah, I can't hate him. You know, you, know, hate, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Like we always talk about. It's not his fault. And I'm certainly, again, I'm rooting for him. But to your point, Mike, I do want to say that. I'm with you. That's the other thing that made me think this thing sounds fishy. and where Because... Easterby, Nick Casario. Again, I don't know Jack Easterby. I know Nick Nick Casario is a real football guy. You know, he's a little bit more soft-spoken in his ways. There is even a little bit of a religious element down there with the Houston Texans. And again, a I'm not judging. A lot of bit. You're right. I'm not judging. But also, Brian Flores, I know, is a religious guy. I just don't know if I see him as their kind of guy there. Brian Flores is a – he's – like every good coach – 
is brutal. And that was one of the complaints we got in Miami. He was too tough on us. Prickly. Wah, He's prickly. prickly. Oh, because he didn't kiss ass and say yes to the owner and the GM all the time. Like, how prickly was he? Come on. He was with a staff wow. of people from New England who worked for Bill Belichick. They knew what Brian Flores was about. So these are people that were anti-Flores that are putting this out there, right? It's the way good coaches are. Shanahan was prickly, too, when things weren't going good. Belichick is prickly, too, when things don't go well. I mean, good you coaches know? are. Good They're coaches. Pr- John Harbaugh is you, prickly. You come in, yeah. and you're trying to change culture. Exactly. You're trying to improve the team. You're trying to hold people accountable. You're trying to expect more right. than what already was there. Because right. that's why they're changing coaches. Exactly. It wasn't good enough. Right. So you have somebody who comes comes in and is demanding and is coaching everyone. Exactly. And people get threatened by yeah, that. Yeah, no and doubt. People don't like that. I've never and done I think it this that way. happened He's to me, I think so too. I'm with you. And that, my point to button that up was that's why I don't I, I don't know if that works with the Texans. I don't know. I just cuz Brian Flores, he's been there and done that. Now he'll love that Nick Casario is running the front office because he's going to go well it's being run the way I was taught, the right way, the New England way. He'll love that. You know, but the personalities is something I do question. And if you made me bet I think I'd bet that Josh McCown is going to be the head coach down in Houston. Right I now. thought Gannon would be the compromise candidate. I really did. And and here's the other reality. If they give Brian Flores a job. Yeah. He has said the lawsuit's not going away. Right. So there will be, while he's coaching, we talk about distractions. Oh. Coaches don't want distractions from the locker room. He's bringing the biggest distraction the Texans are going to have with this lawsuit that he refuses with, to dismiss with or Deshaun settle. Watson having to talk about that too. With, and, and with yeah. and, and really, you know, think about it. There will be developments. There will be testimony. There will be allegations. Look at how strong the statements were that were issued by the Giants last week, by John Elway last week, and by Stephen Ross. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. The allegation of $100,000 being offered per loss to Flores in 2019. I think that's where, and we've ha- we've we've nailed this. That's where the relationship went south. You nailed it, Mike. You Ross really going into it. 2019. Yeah. yeah. Wanted to full season tank. Right. He wanted to be the worst team in the league and get the first overall pick in the draft. Sometimes right. you got to take your lumps. Yep. And Brian Flores decided at some point during that season he's not going along with it. Yeah. And he he alleges as part of this lawsuit that he was offered a hundred thousand dollars per loss brought by Stephen Ross. And I think his resistance is what got Ross thinking. This isn't going to work. No doubt. This guy's not listening to me. I'm the boss. I'm the owner. It's my team, and he's not doing what I want to do with my team. This guy's got to go at some point. I know I I confirmed to you. I don't think Brian Flores would be mad. I I think he feels the same way. He shared those sentiments with me personally, that he felt like things went south after that. That it was he he if he had a look after he got fired and he looked back at the situation a little bit I think that was one of the first things that jumped out to him about where it started to go wrong since we're peeling back the curtain we articulated this thought and he reached out to you and said he's absolutely right exactly right exactly it's all it's all laid out in the lawsuit now he said it publicly that's what I mean so I'm not really worried about sharing it that way but yes I think there was that that stance there and it goes into something that I know you and I have talked about a lot too where this is why these coaches don't want to tank. Because here they are, a lot of situations, they tank or do what the owner says, but three years later or two years later, that record gets held against exactly. them. Exactly. And you get fired, and you go, well, wait, you told me to lose. Well, you're, you know, and then they, they end up getting fired. It goes on their gravestone. And, it, and people don't understand the context of the situation. And that's where it becomes really difficult for the head coach. That's another reason why to circle back to the Texans for one last minute. Yeah. 
Another reason why it would be difficult for the Texans to hire Brian Flores, there is an entire section of his complaint where he talks about the treatment of David Culley by the Texans, that they brought him in to fail. They brought him in to preside over a lost season. And then when the season was lost, right. then they said we have philosophical differences and we can't continue. What philosophical differences? All what? the BS that right. we called publicly. Or, or the team is was in this playing lawsuit. too good and we're yeah. a little scared of where this is going. You, you actually did better than we wanted you to. It's going to be hard for the Texans to look past that. Uh -huh. they, it's not quite a direct shot at them. They're not sued, but it's a shot across the bow at them. And they're no going doubt. to have to forget that if they want to hire them. I just I don't think at the end of the day, Cal McNair, who won the 23andMe lottery and inherited his team from daddy. That's <laughs> what it is. Sorry. It's yeah. the truth. Yeah. He's not going to do it. He's, I'll be stunned if he does it. And he's only going to do it, I think, if he gets some sort of promise from the NFL. And we start seeing L.A., Las Vegas, Houston, Miami. L.A., Las Vegas, Houston, Miami, Super Bowl rotation. It's going to take something like that. It probably will. To take one for the team. It's shocking that we're down to Flores versus this team, like you said. Because this is a team in the NFL who... You know, again, just accusations, but it's been accused of, you know, not necessarily the right behaviors and things being said behind the scenes by ex-players, DeAndre Hopkins, Dwayne Brown, Deshaun Watson. There's obviously something there that they don't like the way things are handled. Even the, the comments that, you know, were released, you know, uh, earlier this year from Cal McNair in the last offseason at the golf outing or whatever. So it's not the greatest history. So now we have here a guy, the African-American coach, who's standing up for all African-American coaches. And he's a finalist for the organization where most African-American players don't even want to play there. They don't even like the, the mojo down there. And here we got that. I find that ironic. Peter King made a great point on Friday when he said, hey, if they would hire Brian Flores, all of a sudden, it, it all of a sudden your thought on that team. You're right. And, and, and players may want to go there. Right. Right. Uh, but but it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of arm twisting for Cal McNair to point him in that direction. And Jack Easterby, who's got some sort of bizarre hold, it appears, in my opinion, on Cal McNair, where McNair does whatever Easterby wants him to do. So he I'll be stunned. Trend. I'll be stunned. As you remember, it's it's like Jafar and the Sultan. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, he's and somebody's got to take that staff and break it in half to break that spell that Easterby has over McNair. What is that, Prove Jafar and Sultan? What is Jafar? that? Aladdin. Aladdin, it is. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, he had that uh, staff, yeah, right, and he would, uh, like, stick uh, it in his face like, and keep him in yeah. line. Yeah, right. So uh, we're not saying that Jack Easterby is Jafar. We're just making the comparison between the hold that Easterby seems to have over Cal McNair and Jafar and the Sultan. So I guess we are. Sorry. Oh, well. Let's oh, well. take a break. Uh, I think we've exhausted that topic I as think much so. as we can. But, but look, in all seriousness, and I know it's Super Bowl week and we spent a half hour talking about it, but this is the biggest news in the NFL. It's not going away. Yeah. The NFL has taken body blow after another as it gets ready for its signature event of the year. It's, it's being held to reckon for... The racial issue, the tanking problem, yeah. and there's a clear incentive to tank. They've created a system that yeah. incentivizes tanking. And now, I don't even think we're going to talk about it today, but the stuff that happened late last week with the Washington football team and what we learned about the investigation, it's a bad time for the NFL when it's supposed to be a good time for the NFL. But bright, shiny objects. Just look around. Look at your screen. Look at that. Bright, shiny objects. Forget about all this stuff. When we return, the Jaguars have hired a head coach. What will Doug Peterson do for Trevor Lawrence? And will they get any better anytime soon? We'll talk about the situation in Jacksonville when PFT Lot continues right after this. To our fans, listen, I know you've been through a lot. 
been through a lot, even this past season. But that's about to change. And, and I can promise you that I'm going to come to work every single day with the diligent task, task to make this a winning organization. This is what he has asked me to do. This is why I've been hired here today. And, and this is a relationship that, that is just beginning. And so I'm excited, one, to have this opportunity to lead, to lead your organization, but two, to be able to get in here, develop, develop a coaching staff, develop our philosophies, develop our schemes to be successful on the football field. This is not, this is not an overnight fix. This is not, you know, we're just going to snap our fingers and start winning football games. Our goal is to win football games, but we're going to do it one player, one coach, one person in the organization at a time. And I'll challenge our team and I'll challenge our fans. It's about ownership. It's about support. It's about, it's about leadership. And that's what I'll bring. That's what I'll bring to the organization. Peterson introduced as the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think a lot of that stuff that he said sounds a lot like what Urban Meyer said a year ago. I don't know. It's a lot of the same stuff. We're going to bring a winner to Jacksonville. So you've had to deal with a lot of crap. Sorry about all the crap you've had to deal with. And, hey, at least Doug Peterson is suited to coach in the NFL. Exactly. Unlike Urban That's Meyer. That's where it's different. Th that's another. Let's just start there. Yeah. Because you saw Shad Khan, the owner of the team, sitting to the right of Doug Peterson. How in the hell did Shad Khan think a year ago he was doing the right thing hiring Urban Meyer? And, you know, the reality is he never stopped and thought, is Urban Meyer suited to coach in the NFL? Right. All he thought is, that's the guy I want. Yeah. I get what I want. I wanted the super yacht. I got it. I want Urban Meyer. I'm getting Urban Meyer. And he never bothered to take a step back and ask himself, is this guy suited to be a successful NFL head coach, and and look what he got. Yeah, it was it's his disaster. own fault. Yeah, it was a disaster. It is their fault, no doubt. Listen, I was. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you I was anti Urban Meyer being hired. You know, again, I think what I looked at with Urban Meyer's, I thought there was a little more work ethic there and an understanding of the broader approach of the game. I think that's what it got me, especially when I knew, you know, the history of. You know, some of his friends throughout the NFL, Bill Belichick, Jimmy Johnson, some of those guys where, you know, it just felt like you know, they respect him because they understand what he does with his football team in college, and he understands that. But at some point, life got to be – it became a, just a rolling tra train for Urban Meyer at Ohio State where he didn't have to coach and grind anymore. And then he just wanted to continue that in the NFL. And that's where it all went wrong. And, yes, he didn't fit. He didn't understand the culture of the NFL. And like we've talked about, it's a, it's a job that you've you got to be into the X's and O's and be creative and thinking about outside-the-box things, and he wasn't willing to do that. It was either extreme stupidity yeah. when he came to the NFL or extreme arrogance. And I know he tried to sell recently in a podcast appearance with Dan Dockage that he just didn't understand well, first of all, how do you not understand? And Peter King and I talked about this on Friday, and Peter's position is that's bull crap. He knew. He just thought, and this isn't exactly what Peter said, but he thought. What did he, he say? He said Vikings suck. <laughs> they do. You're right. The Vikings suck. They suck. Hey. You know? Hey. I wish you would have got Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yes. All right. I like Thanks. those guys. I think I think they're friends of yours. <laughs> no, they're if not. If you have friends. <laughs> um, but what was my point? Oh, 
Sorry. That, that he just thought he could show up and say, I'm, I'm yeah, Urban Meyer, I'm Meyer, and I'm going to just by sheer force of my will, will and personality, right. I'm going to bend the NFL in my direction. Right. That my way is going to work, even though my way is banker's hours. Right. Right. Leave at 630 and, at night. And and kick the kicker, allegedly. Yeah, right. But it, it just it was a disaster. But the point is. Shad Khan got so caught up in the idea that he had to have Urban Meyer at a time when nobody else wanted Urban Meyer. The other 31 teams, or at least the ones who were looking for coaches, yeah. were not even thinking about Urban no. Meyer. So Shad Khan got it wrong. So did he get it right with Doug Peterson? I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl, yeah. but then he got fired a year ago. Right. I, I do think he got it right. Listen, I think the one thing I look at to where the positives are, right, I think it's a little bit of a safe pick with Doug Peterson. You know, again, you know, I know there's the Byron Leftwiches and some other guys out there that might not have the experience or whatever else, but um, maybe, you know, maybe you look at it and go, well, they have bigger potential. But this is an organization that's on the heels of what we just talked about. Total dysfunction and stupidness with Urban Meyer. So Doug Peterson, where I love it is he's going to get them back on the right track and functioning like a normal organization and have a real relationship with the GM and have a have a vision as far as what they want to do that way. What else do I like about it? Well, Doug Peterson did play quarterback in the NFL. He understands what it takes there. He did help Doug, uh, Carson Wentz early on in his career. Or Carson Wentz, let's not forget, year two was really the NFL MVP. He got hurt for the last three games, and the, the NFL took it away from him. But he should have been the MVP of the NFL that year. So he does understand how to develop a young quarterback and win football games in the NFL. And to me, that's where he's a good you know, been there, done that, settle things down, get us going in the right direction once again. And at the last thing, Mike, too, he runs an offense that I think really fits Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, you heard me during last year stuff, it was a real college offense coming from Clemson. It wasn't underneath the center and check with me and all that kind of stuff. It was not. It's more in to what we've seen Doug Peterson do with Carson Wentz and, and even you know Jalen Hurts a little last year. Shotgun, read options, screen here, take a shot down the field, run the quarterback a little bit. I think that really fits Trevor Lawrence, so that's where, that's where I do like it. I'd love to know what yeah. Trevor Lawrence thinks about everything that's going on yeah. the last few weeks. Right. Did he want Byron Leftwich? Did he chime in? Remember, he said early on he wanted to have input in who the head coach was going to be. I think something borderline Shakespearean was happening behind the scenes with Shad Khan, I believe. And we don't know this. This is all circumstantial evidence pieced together. But I think Byron Leftwich made his power play. He said, I want Adrian Wilson to come with me as the GM. And I think Shad Khan went to Trent Baalke and said, you got to bring me something better. You got to bring me something. You bring, you get your best candidate, and I'll decide whether I'll keep you and your guy, or I'll go to Leftwich and Adrian Wilson. Because there was never any pushback from the team about any of the reporting. Mike Jarecki, who's covered the Cardinals for years, came out and said, "I'm hearing it's going to be Adrian Wilson and Byron Leftwich in Jacksonville." And maybe at that moment it was accurate, but then it fell back into this weird balancing act. And eventually, after a week or so, they settled on Doug Peterson. And I think that it was as simple as Shad Khan having to struggle between do I want Leftwich and Wilson or Balky and whoever he shows up with and he shows up with Peterson and that's the way he goes and it all happens days after the Brian Flores lawsuit is this some of the you could sell that to your is owner this some of he's these, been with the young quarterback right, right. he knows how to do that but I'd love to know what Trevor Lawrence yeah. thinks of this and whether or not he wanted Byron Leftwich you know did he talk to Tom Brady about Byron Leftwich did he talk to Carson Wentz 
about Doug Peterson? Right. Did he talk to Nick Foles about Doug Peterson? If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm I want to know sure. what the people who have experienced in working with these candidates and I don't know, do we get the guy that Trevor Lawrence wanted or not? He's probably never going to say it to anyone right. publicly or privately. Right. There may be some people privately who know, but we'll probably never find out. Let's find out what Doug Peterson had to say about what he plans to do with quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Everything, as I've done my research on, on Trevor and, and, and talked to people, even talked to coaches who have played against him this past year, say nothing but great things and, and, and kind of the sky's the limit. And, you know, it is unfortunate that, um, you know, that, that things didn't go necessarily smoothly, you know, this past year, but, but that's, that's, that's behind us now. And I'm just excited to, you know, come in here, roll up my sleeves, go to work, you know, create a system that, that, that enhances his, his skill set um, and be successful. Yeah, hey, uh, it all sounds good, but let's see what happens. Proof's going to be in the pudding like it is with everything else. What are they going to do to get the most out of Trevor Lawrence? And Peter King made the point that in the last game of the season, when the Jaguars beat the Colts, right. that that was the most animated that Trevor Lawrence had been, his moment where he stepped up as a leader. Definitely. They were determined to win that day. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, look, every hire, I said this within the past two weeks, every hire could be a great hire, but they still have to go play games, and there's going to be a winner, and there's going to be a loser, and there's going to be good teams, there's going to be bad teams, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's not going to work. No doubt. And at least in Jacksonville, they got the Texans, they got the Colts, and who knows where the Colts are going to be and what they're going to do, and they got the Titans, who were the number one seed, but one of the reasons the number one seed is they're feasting on the the yeah, lesser the rest teams of the division. Their division. Right. So there's an opening there. There's an opportunity. And they, they turned it around pretty quickly in Philadelphia once Definitely. Peterson got there. Hey, he's he's got a way with communicating. You know, the, the staff he puts together is going to be really important. The players in Philadelphia love Doug Peterson. They loved him. You know, especially if you look on early on in his career. I mean, you know, Fletcher Cox, the rest of the players, when he would go forward on fourth down, the defense would be right there by him and, you know, like, yeah, coach, go for it, do that. I, he's got a way and a way that he communicates. And I think, you know, understanding how to win big football games. But I will say this. Here's my one worry with Doug Peterson, Mike. You know, like I said, I like the offense. And I think it fits Trevor Lawrence. He got to bring an offensive coordinator, though, outside of his tree of coaching. Don't bring Matt Nagy in. I'm just saying it right now. Don't do it. You're setting yourself up to get criticized when things don't go well. So what do you do? Who do you look for? I just I, I would like what him style? to look outside. Not that necessarily just somebody that has some different ideas than him because he's going to run his offense. But don't get another guy who's just going to go, oh, yeah, I like that idea, too. I like, oh, yeah, I like that. That's my idea. I like that, too. That's a good idea. Yeah. You need to have somebody in there that can bring some different angles of attack for you to your offense. I thought there was a drop in his offense when we saw Frank Reich leave and go to the Colts. So I guess that's where I say it's really important to me. You know, don't hire somebody that's in your little comfort zone as far as, oh, he does what I do, and that's great. No, you need more ideas. You need more to add to your offense, and I think Doug's capable of that, and I think hopefully he realizes it. And that sense of creativity, open-mindedness, including those ideas. Peter King was telling the story the other day about Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, 
and their receivers coach, oh. Super Bowl 52, Grow. Uh, yeah, it was Grow. Yeah. Right? Mike Grow. Coming up with the play that, yes. that busted everything open against the Patriots exactly. in Super Bowl 52. And, and having an atmosphere where that is They could encouraged. share ideas. Yeah. Yes, they had a really good staff. I've always heard that. I've heard that from Doug. He told me that personally after that Super Bowl. How they were great. Even other coaches on the staff. But just collaborating with like, hey, we used to do this versus coverage. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We used to do this. And you put that together, and that's where you can become great. I mean, that's where you could start to go, oh, wait, I got my base offense, and now I got a few wrinkles from some other offenses, and it can make your offense uh, top-notch, and, and hopefully they can find that. And they need it because need it. this is year two for Trevor Big Lawrence. Year. You don't want to ruin his career. Right. You don't want to ruin him like others have done with the quarterbacks that they stumble into by being the worst team in the NFL. It gets back to the whole tanking thing. If you're the worst team in the NFL, yeah, it's great. We get we get the best player coming in, and we potentially ruin him in three yeah, years. Yeah, right. So hopefully they won't ruin Trevor Lawrence, and he can reach his potential. And Doug Peterson, as crazy as it sounds, here we are a week away from the Super Bowl, six days if you're watching this. And thank you if you are. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. No one has won a Super Bowl with two different teams. Yeah. And when you look at how quickly the Bengals have ascended. With a number one This pick. is the NFL's dream. Right. The ability of teams to turn it around just like that. And it happens so quickly. And here they are. And is it incomprehensible that at some point in the next couple of years, the Jaguars could get to the top of the AFC and be playing in a yeah, Super Bowl. It's yeah, not. You're right. Not in this day in the NFL. You're right. It's you're one good free agency, one good draft away, and all of a sudden you go, damn, we got a, we're a playoff caliber team. I mean, it is. I think that's one of the fascinating things about where we are right now. It, that, to me, is one of the cooler stories, and I think I said it to you last week a little bit on Monday, just that we got one team like the Bengals where it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, yeah, some free agents that they've gotten, but a lot of homegrown talent, let's say. And then you got the Rams who were, and you know they're doing it economically, and doing. It, and then you got the Rams who were doing it in a way that nobody in the league is doing. They're going, ah, screw all economics, screw future assets. We're going stars and stars only. We don't care about anything else, and we'll figure it out as we go. Uh, I do think it's really cool. It's cool for the league because it shows you two ways it can be done. Two ways it can be done, and yeah. all teams have a chance. Everyone is alive. There is plausible hope in every city. Except Houston. Except the Vikings. <laughs> well, that's a different <laughs> no, story altogether. No. We haven't talked about that. That would have been so much fun. Thank God. That would, no, it would have been so much fun to have Jim Harbaugh as coach of the Vikings because that would have added so much spice to our oh, reactions because he doesn't like Jim Harbaugh. And you would have given it to me nonstop. Oh, nonstop. And every time they had been successful, I would have given it to you. Because right. I think, I, look, Fortune favors the brave. Yeah. It's not just a tagline to get people to sign on to a pyramid scam for cryptocurrency. It's also a very true statement. And I thought the Vikings were going to do it. I thought they were. And no offense to Kevin O'Connell, but you got a guy who's been a head coach for 19 years. Yeah, I guess. College it. and pro. He's been successful everywhere. He was wildly successful with the 49ers. I thought they were going to do it. I really did. He burns bridges and it treats everybody badly and looks to leave every place after three years. That's why it's risky. He burned the bridge to Minnesota before he even tried I got to there. cross it. That's what I want to say. That's where I was he like. He showed up thinking he was getting the job. I'm, I'm, I, the new GM, I, I, I think I, I really think you just one of those times where I think luck, he, he's lucky it didn't happen. I'm but glad. But he was with, Quezia Dofo Mensa, the new GM of the Vikings, he was, was with Jim Harbaugh. Right. For the final two years, the crazy two years in San Francisco, right. and he still 
one. That's where I Jim don't know. I uh, sometimes look at uh, his last name. Say it for me again. I what is he? Adolfo Mensa. Mensa. Adolfo Mensa. I, I know when when. I wanted to be like, maybe he was too young back in those San Francisco days and just didn't realize how crazy Harbaugh was and all of that. But uh, either way, I, I think Kevin O'Connell is worthy of being a head coach in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. He's got a way about him. He's smart. He's been under McVay. We know that's what everybody's looking for, the new young and up-and-coming, you know, offensive star, unless it's left with your enemy for right, some reason. Right. That's, what's, well, that's what's annoying look, about it. My, my thought yeah. was this. My thought was this. Roll the dice with Harbaugh. Yeah. See what happens. Right. And if it doesn't work, there'll be another guy who's coming off of the Sean McVay assembly line two or three years. <laughs> right? There's always going to be that guy. Probably. There's always going to be that guy. Probably. Uh, just like Zach Taylor a few years ago. Yeah. And, hey, if you give the Vikings Joe Burrow, maybe they'll be in the Super Bowl too. Screw him. Go back to Michigan. Kirk Cousins <laughs> yeah. has got to be happy about Kevin O'Connell right. in Minnesota. No doubt. O'Connell was in Washington with right. Cousins. And you've got guys like Justin Jefferson speaking very highly about the situation now. And he's a guy that you had to worry about. Maybe he's going to get to the point where he doesn't want to be with the Vikings right. anymore. He's very happy. Dalvin Cook, who was kind of close to Mike Zimmer, he sounds happy about where things could go. But we'll see. It's not official until after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And as we learned four years ago, Nothing's, it may never happen. Nothing's official. Nothing's official. Right, until it's it could official. Be. And I joked about this last week, and some Rams fans lost their minds. But, but, if they win... And Sean McVay says, I'm out of here. Oh, right. And Stan Kroenke says, hey, Kevin. You be the head coach. Kevin, I got a deal for you. There's a chance the Vikings are going to be holding the bag. Wouldn't it be funny if the road leads them back to Jim Harbaugh? Uh, I, would. I would. There is a that part of me awesome. that would have loved to it, too, because then I could just hate you and the Vikings that and all together. Awesome. It would fit all perfectly. Trent Baalke <laughs> was the other guy with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, and they did not get along. And there are a lot of people in the NFL who did not care and do not care for Trent Baalke. There sure. were multiple people who refused to interview for the job yeah. because of the presence of Trent Baalke. Here's Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, talking about efforts to strengthen the front office now that Doug Peterson is the head coach and Trent Baalke remains the GM. One of the reasons uh, we had the search was not only looking for the head coaching candidate, but really to learn about other organizations. I mean, that's a byproduct of the coaching search. So some of the practices, some of the structure um, uh, that works, um, you know, we got a great insight into it. And uh, so strengthening uh, the football operations, more staff, I definitely, I mean, that's part of our goal. And um, so, I mean, we've had two flat organizations. And we want to add, uh, you know, brain power and, uh, uh, you know, more people to, you know, strengthen that. Didn't he learn, though, they had a good thing going with Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, and then they bring in Tom Coughlin, and it screwed up the whole dynamic. I'm curious to see what they're going to do now. Rick Spielman? Because Rick Spielman's not going to come in and try to take over. He's not going to be gonna, political he's that not gonna, way. He's not going to be like Tom Coughlin no. was where, you know, any of these guys who were coaches who then move into an executive role, they can't stop being coached. Exactly right. I think Rick Spielman would be a great addition. I don't disagree if they with end you up there. Hiring him. I think that's, that's, that's the kind of guy you want in your building to go, wait, he can, you know, he can really shed some light on some things we're doing right or doing wrong, a process that maybe, you know, he can infuse into our organization that brought from Minnesota. You say what you want. You know about the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I know you're disappointed they never got to the Super Bowl, but damn, I mean, Rick Spielman did a lot of good things while he was there. There's no doubt about that. It's it's undeniable. 
there's a lot of good football players on that football team for a long, long time. Um, so that is one I definitely look at. But you're right. There is a certain point where you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. You got too many strong personalities in a Balky, a Spielman, and then you bring in two other, three other guys who you think are great idea guys who've got an ego and something from other organizations. That's when the, you know, SHIT hits the fan. And, <laughs> yeah, okay? What's the point? What's, if you're going to spell Sorry, it. Sorry, Manchester. Just say it. <laughs> I know. I the whole have. idea is you leave out one right. of the letters. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn, I messed that up. <laughs> well, oh, shucks. At least we're on tape. And Kristen gets to clean it up mark that time uh 20 minutes into the segment got to remove one of the letters the h or the i right maybe the t yeah maybe the s um but but you're right and you know you get into weird situations where you get compromises so instead of you know getting the right person this way or that way they go with someone else to placate the personality it's just it's, it's not good don't yeah. have don't have too many if you have misgivings about Trent Baalke just get rid of Trent Baalke sure if you feel like you need to strengthen the front office why do you need to strengthen the front office is it because Trent Baalke the weak link get rid of him move on it's it's look it, it's easy for us to say because we're not the ones making the decisions but I feel like we've both been around it long enough to see a potential problem coming a mile away and I feel like if they don't handle this properly they're going to have a problem. And maybe Spielman's the right move. But I feel like the right move is just admit that it's not going to work with Balky. And this gets back to what we talked about last segment. It could just be that so many people are saying to Shad Khan, you got to get rid of Trent Balky. He's not going to get rid of Trent Balky right. because I'm the owner and I'm going to do what I want. It's and like the harder say people try to get me to get rid of him, right. I'm going to dig in because it's my decision. It's hard to tell a billionaire what to do, as we know. We've discussed that a lot. Uh, Maybe know. we need reverse psychology. I know of Shad. You should give Trent Balky a lifetime contract. You should give him a lifetime contract. Give him, do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I understand. I, I don't have an issue with Balky. I know some people don't want to work with him. I get that. You know, there's some things he did in San Francisco that I thought were top notch. He built a damn good football team there. You know, but obviously there were some disagreements. And then, you know, what happens with any GM, you know, a lot of the times when they do get a second chance, you know, a lot of these head coaches, they hear only the bad stories about the first time around. And I'm not defending. I don't know all the, you know, details of all what people like and what people don't like. I've just heard rumors and things like that. But that's what happens more times than not. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. But I do know this. Doug Peterson has a way about him where – He's all in with the GM. We saw that with Philadelphia. In fact, there might have been some plays there where we go, well, Doug, you probably should have said something to Howie here and said, I don't want this pick or I don't like this pick. But he's the good soldier that way and goes along with the GM and probably part of the reason why he got hired as well. The potential problem in Philadelphia is the owner is very involved, especially when it comes to the draft and Howie does what Listen, the boss wants sure. and I think maybe Doug Peterson got overpowered I don't know that yeah, but, but that was the always, evidence is there the breadcrumbs are there right. to piece that together yeah. okay the Packers were the number one seed in the NFC each of the last two seasons they have not been able to parlay that into a Super Bowl appearance when we return will Aaron Rodgers be there for a potential third number one seed that doesn't result in a Super Bowl appearance consecutively we'll discuss the Packers perspective on Rodgers when PFT Live returns right after this I mean, I didn't think we'd be talking about this after this game, but right. Uh, you know, I'm gonna take some time and and uh, have conversations with the folks around here, and then take some time away and make a decision. Um, obviously, before free agency or anything kind of gets going on that front, but 
you know, it's it's fresh right now. It's it's you know, a little shocking for sure. You know, so many guys' contracts are are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff. So a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild uh, if you know if I'm gonna keep playing. So uh, a lot of decisions. You know, in the next couple months. That's Aaron Rodgers from after the playoff loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Mark Murphy, the CEO of the Packers, does a monthly column or thereabouts on Packers.com. And in his latest entry, he said clearly and unequivocally that they want Rodgers back. But it was in the context of their cap issues. Here's the quote. We are significantly over the salary cap for next year and will have to make many difficult decisions in order to get under the cap. A key factor will be whether Aaron Rodgers comes back for the 2022 season. Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, and I are all in agreement that we want Aaron to come back. He is likely to win his fourth MVP, is the unquestioned leader of our team, and is still playing at a high level at 38. Okay. They want him back. And in the same paragraph where he says he wants him back, he points out they have serious cap issues, and they're going to have to make some tough decisions. So when you juxtapose that with Aaron Rodgers saying he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild it's almost like Mark Murphy saying we really want you here but it's probably going to be a rebuild but there's going to be elements of it right, that are going to feel like tough. a rebuild right. it's, it's gonna not going to be easy right so we really 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 want you here yeah. but we may be rebuilding but 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 or yeah or is he also like added I agree with what you're saying it's kind of how I read it too or the fact of and, and and if you're back, we need you back here at the 26-4 number that you're responsible for right now. We can't go, oh, we're going to give you another big chunk of money, you know, which we think Rodgers wants to. Well, he deserves it. He I, deserves I've, I've it. heard he doesn't want it. Right. I've heard it's never been about the money. It's more about yeah. the other issues that the you think about. The commitment a little bit, right. yeah. But the yeah. whole Jordan Love thing, when the, the moment they drafted Jordan Love, right. that was the moment that – I think in his mind, the relationship crossed a bridge that it's never been able to uncross. And we don't blame him. We've never blamed him never, for that. He's never. been justified in feeling that way. Definitely. But, yeah, they've got a mess from a cap standpoint. They've got to get that figured out. But if they got to tear it down to the point where it feels like a rebuild, that's when Rodgers is going to want to go. And they can, they got to figure it all out by the middle of March. He has said he wants to make a decision by the start of free agency. And I think what's going to happen, I think he still wants out. I think the relationship with Brian Gutekunst is not at the point where it needs to be. Right. Even though he said some things after yeah. the last game. That calmed it down a little. But improvement. Yeah. It's still bad. Right. And he's going to ask to be traded. And then the question becomes, where are they comfortable trading him to? How hard does he push for maybe a place they don't want to trade him to? I don't think they want to trade him to anyone in the NFC. Right. You know, the Buccaneers are now potentially in play with Tom Brady retired, although I wouldn't want to follow Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Yeah. San Francisco would make sense. A couple of bridge years from Rodgers to Trey Lance right. if that would happen. But yeah. I just don't There's think— There's no way the Packers I, are going to trade the that. Titans popped up last week right. as a possibility. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense if you can figure out how to deal with the Ryan Tannehill contract. That's, a, that's the big issue there. I know people, you know, Rodgers buying a house or property in Franklin, Tennessee. I lived there one year when I played for the Tennessee Titans. It's a great area. It's where a lot of rich and famous people live. So I wouldn't read too deep into how that. How did they let you in there? Well, I, I usually, like, you want to hear a crazy story? I lived in just a cool, like, townhome one of the years I was playing for the Tennessee Titans. 
I used to drive down the road a little bit, right? Like old farm road. And I'd pull over because there was this one, you know, area of property where there was some horses and some uh, donkeys in, in the yard, in the area. And I had my young daughter at the time who was like five or six years old. So I used to bring carrots there and feed these horses and donkeys. And every now and then when they were on the other side of the property, I would hop the fence and dangle the carrots in front of them to bring them back over to my daughter. I found out one day from one of the caretakers, they're like, you know, these are this is Faith Hill's donkey and horses. Huh? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, that's that's Faith Hill and McGraw's house up there. On, and I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. That's amazing. And I was like, wait, so what's this house? And he's like, well, this is my house, the caretaker house. But that, to, so either way, I know that rumor's out there. I don't see that happening. I believe uh, John, John Robinson in the fact that Ryan Tannehill's their guy. I do think it causes a lot of problems with their salary cap issue. Yeah, you're going to lose money with Tannehill. You're going to have to pay Rodgers as well. But I'll say this, Mike. I, I do. I've got a 180 on this. Like early December, I would have gone, eh, I think Rodgers is going to end up back in Green Bay. But I think when you couple together, you know, the, the, the situation with the salary cap, like you explained, and I just have had too many people tell me that he's not as happy as he made it look. Exactly. And that the, those two things, I sit here right now and go, man, with that situation with the money and hearing those from people that, you know, I know and trust a little bit, I go, man, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back with Green Bay. I don't know where that spot is. Denver, you know, New Orleans, whoever, whoever, who the hell knows here at this point. But um, I, I'm, I'm definitely leaning not back with him. The other thing about Tannehill, his salary is fully guaranteed right. in 2022 at $29 million. Yeah. Are you going to find a team that's going to happily pay him $29 million after what we last saw it was three interceptions? It's going to be hard to Bengals? sell that to know. Yeah. So do you have to pay part of the money? Do you get less for him if you have to trade him? And you're taking that cap hit as you get him off the books. There's $28 million that they have to absorb if they trade him before June 1. If they pay any of his salary, that becomes even more. And then you got to find a way to fit Aaron Rodgers. I just think they're going to have a hard time pulling that off. Okay, so the teams that I think we need to watch are Denver. the Broncos, obviously. obviously. With Nathan of Nathaniel Hackett there as the head coach. Right. The Raiders, isn't that I, – look, I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr. And I think Derek Carr is going to have a voice in what happens with Derek Carr. But Josh McDaniels and Aaron Rodgers joining forces with the Raiders, that's a hell of a story if that would happen. Sure. Um, the Steelers. Steelers, without a doubt, are be on. They got to be on his radar. But okay, and then in the NFC, the 49ers and the Buccaneers. Is there another team in the NFC that makes sense? The Giants were on the fringes until they made it clear that Daniel Jones is their guy. Right. And now, obviously, it's off the table. If they knew Aaron Rodgers was interested, would they revisit their their re, uh, yeah. renewed uh, right. love Trust and faith Daniel in Jones. Daniel Jones? I don't know. Well, if we I get do, Aaron Rodgers, maybe all of a sudden we don't like their, uh, Daniel Jones as I, much as we do. I do look at NFC. I don't think there's any way the 49ers happen. I just don't. One, it's kind of their arch nemesis right now as far as the Packers are concerned are the, the 49ers. Matt LaFleur, if I'm the head coach, and even if I like Kyle Shanahan and like Aaron Rodgers, man, the one thing I wouldn't want to see is them. And then what? Next year? Who, you know, who comes into town? Or we got to go play Aaron Rodgers and the 49ers? Or we're watching them play in the Super Bowl? I just don't think there's any way LaFleur is going to let him end up in Shanahan's hands. You know, the one teams that I look at to just go that are intriguing to me. Washington, I do look at. Wow. There's no quarterback there. They have a decent O-line. We know they have some pieces on defense. You know, you got a Terry McLaurin and a Curtis Samuel and an Antonio Gibson and running back. There's, there's some weapons there. You know, and even 
you know, I, I said this, Carolina Panthers, that would be a risky one, but there's at least weapons there where you go, I can go there and do some things on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I, I do look at Denver as being that, that main team to look at. I just don't know why you want to throw yourself into yeah. a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. You know, we have been waiting since 2018 for Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers to cross paths. They could potentially cross paths twice <laughs> yeah. a year, minimum, maybe three. I, I, I get you. That's It's a risky proposition. No, there's no doubt. And I would think that would be, to me, one of the main things that scares me away. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're going to go wait and go, oh, I'm going to mess with the best player in the sport twice a year and see if we can overtake him to do it. That That's a tough one. Steelers or Broncos, which one would you choose if you were Rodgers? Mm. It came down to those two. Oof. Gosh. Man, I you know, the Broncos have more in place as far as the O-line is concerned. But I would probably avoid Mahomes in that. I would probably take the Steelers. You know, you got Deontay Johnson, Claypool. They need to fix the offensive line. Still work in progress. Got some young guys there. We got a defense. We Good know defense. Still, Najee Harris, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I mean, and the Steelers are like the Packers as far as their tradition, except they have an owner. But there's some similarities. Typically, the kind of thing the Steelers would do, but local viewership in Pittsburgh was down 10% last year. Wow. They're not selling out the stadium to the full capacity. I think they need to be concerned about where the franchise currently is. And I know that Mason Rudolph's their guy, but come on. Come on. Come on. All due respect. Come on. Yes, come and on. And if they could get Aaron Rodgers and they could make it work under the salary cap, and you're right, there has to be some allure to Aaron Rodgers to go from one historic franchise to another historic franchise. I don't know how it feels about living in Pittsburgh, but hey, you just live in Wisconsin. Let, you know, I'm 100 miles away. Yeah. Come on down. We'll drink some scotch. <laughs> we'll drink some tequila. We'll smoke a cigar. We'll hang out in the pool. You're not going to hang out with him. I think he you're, and I would get along. You're this guy over here 40 That's feet true. from you. He doesn't care about Aaron, COVID. Aaron, you, you just, Aaron, just you got to get vaccinated first. If you're vaccinated, he's immunized, bro. He's immunized. If you get in, if you get. If you get vaccinated, come on down. Go share we'll a cigar out. with them. Yeah, right. And thought of that. <laughs> yeah, and thought of that. All right, Eric, you're not. But I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. I I am convinced that yeah. if he and I had a chance to get together and hang out, we would get along, and he would hate himself for acknowledging yeah, that I am not snarky, the ass that he smart. thought I was. Well, yeah, you're snarky. You're both snarky. You're, We'd have a great conversation. You would. I think you'd be very in depth about a lot of things. There's no doubt. You're both very intelligent. I uh, I think it's gonna be fun to watch it play out, and it's gonna be one of the big stories of the off season. And we'll know by March 16, first day of free agency, we will know. And these wheels are going to start turning. Would Miami get into this conversation? Are they going to double down on Tua 100% there? I know. Tua Nons everywhere. I know. You never know when somebody with a sock full of pennies is going to come up and start (laughs) whacking us over the head and say, we are Tua Non. Beware. But potentially, potentially. It's another team that has a lot of things in place where you go, wow, Super Bowl-type defense. Waddle at receiver. But, but uh, there's Gusecki. no good destination in the AFC. No, I know. It's you all scary. West. All those quarterbacks. You, you go to the East, you got the Bills, yeah. and you got Bill Belichick. You go to the North, you got Joe Burrow, you got the Ravens, you got the Browns. Uh, it's. I, I would stay in Green Bay, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I, I'm, Tampa would be the one that would be really interesting. I mean, that would be really interesting. But if interesting. you don't win the Super Bowl your first oh. year, you're a failure in comparison to Tommy. There's no doubt. 
There's no doubt. Retirement is the one thing that's not going to happen. Now that Brady's retired, there is no way that Aaron Rodgers is going to be second fiddle to Tom Brady no, on Hall of Fame, Fame weekend no, in five ben years. Ben no way, but Exactly. <laughs> there is no way that Aaron Rodgers is going to put himself in that position. No. At least he would be the B on the attraction. Yeah. It would be Tom Brady in huge letters and then with Aaron Rodgers <laughs> featuring Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> right. That's kind of how it would go. Right. But it's just going to be it's just going to be the the Tom Brady. Oh, by the way, Ben Roethlisberger show in five years. But it's going to it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And we'll know because you got the quarterback carousel that will start up after the coaching carousel stops when we know who the coordinators are when we're in a better position to piece it all together, that's when these deals will start being done. Remember last year, it was yeah. January 30th, the Matthew Stafford deal was right. done. It's amazing. So we, NFC, we, we could, though, I think you're on to something there. Why not stay in the NFC? I, I, you, you got, you to, got to. You got right. to. The AFC is scary right now. You're, you're talking about potentially really the three best players in our sport and Allen, Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. Oh, you got to deal with them every year. That, that's that's tough. And then, well, you go to the AFC North, and you got to deal with Lamar Jackson and that crew. And, and that's just, uh, you're right. I think the NFC thought is one that certainly jumps out to me. Three head coaching vacancies remain. We talked about the Texans. The Saints and Dolphins are also looking. How close are they to finding their next head coaches? We'll discuss that when PFT Live from Super Bowl 56 continues right after this.